It's time for the one show that takes a look at business from a different perspective. The Coaching Perspective with Master Certified Business Coach, Doug Gefeller. Hey, Doug. Hey, Paul. Glad to be with you here in studio today, and welcome to the Coaching Perspective radio show. Well, I've been coaching business leaders and their teams for 21 years, helping them to clarify their objectives and reach their goals. And if you'd like to know more about my coaching services, just go to my website, thecoachingperspective.com. Well, my plan for today was to take a look at Hal Gregson's book called The Innovator's DNA, Mastering the Five Skills of Disruptive Innovations, which I happened to mention last week as one of my key takeaways from the ICF Global Conference, Converge 17. However, in the process of reading this book, I was struck with how the same techniques for asking questions to encourage innovation can also apply to how we as coaches can ask better questions of our clients. So we're going to do two things here. We're going to talk about the book, which I think is a fabulous book, and we're also going to talk about some of my perspectives on how we can take what Hal has in the book and apply it directly to coaching. So let me start out by saying that I highly recommend this book if you are interested in how to be more innovative. Uh, it is a great book. I really like the way it's set up. It, uh, uh, the first six or six chapters or so talks about uh, how to be, defines what needs to be done to be more innovative, and then they take some more chapters and they talk about applying it. They have lots of case studies in there. They have lots of background information on how they arrived. I mean, this is based upon extensive studies that they did of innovators, and some fascinating stories to illustrate their point, which I'm not going to share with you on the air. Go buy the book. It's on Amazon. It's also on iBooks. Well, let's, let's talk about what they found in their studies. They found that innovators think different, to use a well-known Apple slogan, that their minds excel at linking together ideas that aren't, on the surface, obviously related and then this helps them to produce original ideas. But to think different, innovators, innovators had to act different. All of them were questioners, frequently asking questions that punctured the status quo. Some observed the world with intensity beyond the ordinary. Other innovators often networked with the most diverse people on the face of the earth. And still others placed experimentation at the center of their innovative activity. The specific skills that the book identified or the study identified that are key to delivering new businesses, new products, new services, and or processes are association, questioning, observing, networking, and experimenting. And we'll talk about those. Based on extensive studies, the authors found that one's ability to generate innovative ideas is not merely a function of the mind, but also a function of behaviors. This is good news for all of us because it means that if we change our behaviors, we can improve our creative impact. And for me, that was a key finding because I've always been working sort of under the assumption that uh, uh, some people were born with the uh, innovation uh, DNA gene, and maybe I wasn't. But what this study is showing is that 
changing our behaviors can make us more innovative, more creative. And that was a, that was a key finding that encouraged me to continue on with the book. A key finding from the research is that innovative entrepreneurs do not differ significantly from typical business executives. And that means that the tools presented in the book can be equally applied to both groups of people, both people who want to innovate and people who are managing businesses. And I, again, I thought that that was extremely interesting outcome of their study, and they went into a lot of detail about what they mean when they talk about innovative entrepreneurs. Not all entrepreneurs are innovative. And what they mean by typical business executives. Well, their study ended up concluding that there are four types of innovators. One is startup and entrepreneurs. We all know what that means. And two is corporate entrepreneurs, those who launch an innovative venture from within the company. Three are product innovators, those who invent a new product. And four, process innovators, those who launch a breakthrough process. And that was kind of interesting. Well, we can't have a conversation about innovation without talking about Apple and Steve Jobs. And the authors gave some interesting examples that I had never heard before, and I'm a big Apple fan, and that alone was worth reading the book. But what conclusions did they learn from Jobs' ability to think differently? Well, first, we see that his innovative ideas didn't spring fully formed from his head as if they were a gift from the idea fairy. When they examined the origin of those ideas, and they went through some examples where they typically traced back what we look back on and say that was an innovative idea that that Apple or Jobs had. And when we trace back the, the lineage to how did he arrive at that, we typically find that the catalysts were a number of different things. One was uh, a question that challenged the status quo. Or two, it might have been spurred by an observation of a technology, a company, or a customer. And by observation, I'm not saying just walking by and seeing. I'm talking about observing and thinking about and analyzing what am I really seeing and what's causing it. Or three, an experience or experiment where he was trying out something new. And four, a conversation with someone who alerted him to an important piece of knowledge or opportunity. In fact, the authors show that by carefully examining Jobs' behaviors, and specifically how those behaviors brought in new, diverse knowledge that triggered an innovative idea, we can trace his innovation ideas to their very source. Specifically, innovators engage the following basic behavioral skills more frequently than the rest of us do. There's four basic skills or behaviors that innovators follow. One is questioning, two is observing, three is networking, and four is experimenting. And I want to go back on those, uh, talk about them a little bit. Again, let me just qualify this and say this is a poor representation of the book. I'm not trying to give you information so you don't have to read the book. I'm just trying to whet your appetite here and pick out some of what were the highlights for me. So the four behaviors that, uh, that they talk about to create innovative ideas. Questioning, number one. Innovators are consummate questioners who show a passion for inquiry. 
Their inquiries frequently challenge the status quo. They love to ask, if we tried this, what would happen? They ask questions to understand how things really are today. Why are they that way? How might they be changed or disruptive? And collectively, those questions provoke new insights, new connections, new possibilities and directions. Innovators consistently demonstrate a high QA ratio. Now, QA is the ratio of questions to, to answers in your conversation. Innovators have a higher ratio where questions way outnumber the answers in a typical conversation and are valued at least as highly as good answers. And we'll talk more about that. The second behavior is observing. Innovators are also intense observers. They carefully watch the world around them, including customers, products, services, technologies, and companies. And the observations that they glean help them gain insight into and ideas for new ways of doing things. And let me just talk about that for a second. You know, observing. We we go through the day and we see things. I sit here waiting for the radio show to start. I was a little early. Uh, the producer, Paul, is uh, sitting over there ready to kick his uh, soundboard and his computer, trying to do something new. And I have two choices. I can tune out what he's doing and just sit here and wait and kill the time. Or I can intently observe what he's doing and look for is he doing something that could help me in any of the things that I do? Is there some way to apply what he's going through to some of the things that I face on a daily basis? And that's, that's what Hal meant in the book when he talks about intense observers. It's really being aware of what you're seeing, not just seeing it. The third behavior, and I love the fact that they included this one, is networking. Innovators spend a lot of time and energy finding and testing ideas through a diverse network of individuals who vary widely in their background and perspectives. Rather than simply doing social networking, you know what that is, that's standing in the lobby with a cocktail in your hand, wondering if you can remember the person's name, or rather than networking for resources, they act actively search for new ideas by talking to people who may offer a radically different view of things. You know, when I was at the conference, the ICF conference in Washington, D.C., I was really fortunate to network with people that had no, had very dissimilar backgrounds from mine, had no connection with the kind of coaching that I do, but who got me madly scribbling down ideas of things that I should look into or do differently. You know, the, the two guys that I, I sat and shared a cold drink over lunch with that were both from uh, Singapore. And they were talking about their coaching business in Singapore and really their world coaching business. And I mean, I could have gotten up and walked away because my world coaching business is well within a 30-mile radius. And what they're doing in Singapore with major world global companies doesn't have a lot to do with the coaching that I do. But 
in talking to them, uh, all of a sudden they started triggering new ways of thinking about some of my issues. So networking is a key behavior to become more innovative if you are doing it with a active search for what new ideas or new approaches might you get. And the last behavior that they stress for innovators is that of experimenting. Innovators are constantly trying out new experiences and piloting new ideas. Experimenters unceasingly explore the world intellectually and experiment experimentally, holding convictions at bay and testing hypotheses along the way. They visit new places, try new things, seek new information, and experiment to learn new things. You know, it... In our business lives, we just don't give enough attention to experimenting. We are so busy trying to go from task A to task B or C or D or F or wherever that we don't allow ourselves any time to experiment with what would happen if I did this? What would happen if I did that? Gee whiz, that didn't work. Now, why didn't it work? And what could I do instead? And what experiments could I think of that would test some of the beliefs that I've been holding on to that may no longer be really valid? Great awareness here of four behaviors that you can easily adopt to become more innovative. Questioning, observing, networking, and experimenting. Collectively, these discovery skills, the cognitive skill of associating and the behavioral skills of questioning, observing, networking, and experimenting constitute what the authors in the book call the innovator's DNA or the code for generating innovative business ideas. Now, I want to shift the conversation a little bit at this point. We could go on and I could tell you more and more about this book, but uh, I, I don't like trying to tell you what a book could give you in a much better way. I mean, the examples they give alone are so good that they help cement the learning. To just give you a theory or give you a hypothesis or give you a list of four things to do without giving you some background, some examples uh, of what's going on is just not going to uh, really stick with you and cement the kind of learning that you need. So. At this point, I want to just sort of shift a little bit and say, you know, go read the book. This is a great book. Uh, give you the name on that again, and it'll be on the uh, be on the podcast. But the book is uh, by Hal Gregson and uh, and co-authors, The Innovator's DNA: Mastering the Five Skills of Disruptive Innovation. Well, in shifting the the conversation, I, I want to focus now on the area of asking better questions and the follow-up behaviors needed using the book as sort of a stimulus for this conversation uh, for those of you that are coaches and are listening let, let's just re-emphasize the importance of questioning if we if we look at the ICF core competencies that are the basic behaviors that a, a master coach would would demonstrate on a regular basis they talk about communicating effectively, and under communicating effectively are, are three areas, active listening, asking powerful questions, and direct communication with the client. 
and under the area of facilitating learning and results, the core competencies talk about competencies talk about creating awareness, helping the client to see things differently, and designing actions for them. Those core competencies are so closely in alignment with what the entrepreneur or the innovator's DNA behaviors are that it was actually kind of spooky uh, as I read through it and thought about it. You know, questions hold the potential to cultivate creative insights. Einstein knew this long ago as he often repeated the phrase, if I only had the right question, if I only had the right question. You know, no wonder he finally concluded that the formulation of a problem is often more important than its solution and that raising new questions to solve a problem requires creative imagination. And this, was, this theory was picked up in the practice of management by Peter Drucker, who, who grasped the same power of provocative questions, observing that the important and difficult job is never to find the right answers. It is to find the right question. For there are few things as useless, if not dangerous, as the right answer to the wrong question. And, you know, this is something that I observed over and over again in my 18 years of running executive peer groups is members would come to the meeting and they would lay out what they thought was the problem and then wait for the group to start throwing out solutions to them. And we learned early on that 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 weight had to be really a strong, hard stop in terms of weight that before anybody was allowed to throw out a solution to the person's problem that was just laid on the table, we would first go around the table and one by one ask questions only, ask questions that only identified and elaborated on our understanding of what the problem was, not offer any solutions. And by the time we were done going around the table and everybody had exhausted their questions that they had in understanding what the problem was that we were looking to solve, we would go back and ask the individual who brought the issue to the group, now would you kindly restate the problem? And in a hundred percent of the cases over 18 years of doing this, I never had a person restate the same problem. The questions that were asked to understand the problem always identified a deeper issue than what was originally brought to the table. So asking the right questions is really fundamental to getting even close to the right solution. I've often read statistics about the difference between sort of the the uh, North American way versus the European way of conducting a problem-solving meeting. And they, the information that I've read say that the, the European way of looking at a problem is that someplace around 80 or 90 percent of the meeting is spent defining the problem and 10 to 20 percent of the time is spent working on a solution versus the the North American way is that 
10 or 20% of the meeting time is spent identifying the problem and 90% or 80% is spent on working on solutions, which gets us back to Drucker's issue that the important and difficult job is never to find the right answer. It's to find the right questions. Otherwise, you're going to end up with the right answer to the wrong question, and that's of absolutely no help to you at all. How does this tie into coaching? Well, the fundamental skill of a great coach is to ask good questions. Good questions. So how do the authors say that innovators ask good questions? Well, innovators constantly question common wisdom. They always question with a revolutionary mindset. They don't accept anything. Innovators' provocative questions push the boundaries, push the assumptions, and push the borders that have been set out in defining the problem. They start with a deep sea light-like exploration of what currently is, and then rocket to the skies for an equally compelling search for what might be. So focusing on what is, they ask a lot of who, what, when, where, and how questions. As, world journal, as world-class journalists or investigators do. They dig beneath the surface and truly try to understand the place for the first time. Is this not the same thing we do in coaching? Is really focusing on, you know, what is it we're talking about? Questions that are who, what, when, where, how kind of questions to understand the issue that's been thrown out on the table. Innovators also invoke a sense of what caused questions to grasp the drivers behind why things are the way they are. And collectively, these questions help describe the territory, meaning the, the physically or intellectually or emotional problem that's being discussed, and provide a launching pad for the next line of inquiry. For innovators to disrupt the territory, that physical, intellectual, or emotional issue, innovators punctuate the status quo with why, why not, and what if questions that uncover counterintuitive, surprising solutions. Is this any different than the questions that we as coaches ask? You know, we pride ourselves on asking questions rather than giving answers. But are we going far enough? In the author, are we going far enough to, in the author's words, perpetually invoke powerful questions to help see beneath the surface of everyday action and discover what's never been? Boy, this is a lofty ambition. I, I just, it's almost a challenge that I'm afraid to give myself is to walk out of here and in my next coaching session to make sure that I have asked questions that my coaching invokes questions that are so powerful that they help the client see beneath the surface of their everyday actions and help them to discover what's never been, what they've never seen before. The key questions to do that that we should be asking are what is, what caused it, why and why not, and what if. Powerful, powerful questions. And then... Is questioning enough in our coaching? So often I hear people talk about what coaching is, and they stop the definition with, we ask questions, we don't give advice. Well, 
questioning isn't enough, according to innovators. If we go back to to the book, questions are a critical catalyst to create insight. Yet questions alone do not produce innovation. They are necessary, but insufficient. In the absence of active observation, networking, or experimenting, theoretical innovators become what sports writers refer to as armchair quarterbacks. Are we armchair coaches? Are we asking the shallow questions? Are we asking questions and then stopping at the asking of questions and sitting back and being the Monday morning quarterback? Innovators ask clever questions from the sidelines and may naively believe that one or two magical questions will surface disruptive ideas, but they rarely, if ever, play in the real-life game of innovation. As with innovators, we as coaches must help our clients go beyond just asking questions. I encourage you to look at the other three innovative processes or behaviors besides questioning and consider adapting them to your coaching practice. Remember what they are. Discovery, the process of questioning everything, of consciously observing what's going on rather than accepting others' explanations. For the coach, it's the debrief of the client to help them separate what they personally observed from their beliefs. It's that core competency under facilitating learning and results that's talking about creating awareness. Creating awareness is about creating in the client a level of understanding in the client's mind of what they've just told us that they didn't have when they described the issue to begin with. That's what true discovery really is. The other practice to look at adapting to your coaching is networking. Communicating with others both internally and externally with a view of what you can learn from them. As Einstein put it, what a person does on his own without being stimulated by the thoughts and experiences of others is even in the best of cases rather paltry and monotonous. (laughs) I love it. For the coach, it's about helping the client to reflect on what they learned, heard, and observed. In other words, we're not out there teaching the client how to network, although sometimes we get, we may get involved in that. But what we can do in our coaching is to, to debrief, to create awareness in the client's mind so that they are reflecting on what they learn and heard and observed. You know, I had a great personal example of that this week. I was talking to my coach, and she was asking me, so, Doug, what did you learn from the ICF conference that you went to? Not what did you hear, not what did you observe, but what did you learn? What do you take away, and what are you going to change or reevaluate or question or do different in terms of learning? How many hours have we all wasted going to conferences, reading books, networking, only to have great ideas and then come away from them and do nothing with it? That's what our coaching is about. It's not just about asking questions so that somebody goes, aha, never thought of that before. It's about debriefing them. It's about facilitating learning and awareness so that they look at what they learned and figure out what to do with it. 
it's about coaching our clients to be more bold about experimenting, about trying things out before adapting new processes or ideas. For the coach, it's helping the client to create by creating a safe place for them to play with new ideas. You know, this is what it's all about. It, in most of our business lives, we don't have a safe place to experiment. We can't afford the mistake. We're going to lose a customer. We're going to lose our reputation. So how do you as a coach take the new awareness, the new learnings, the new learnings that you've helped the client to unpack and create a safe place for them to now apply those, to work at playing with them? Well, needless to say, I was truly impressed with this book. I would highly recommend it. Uh, and... I could not help but get distracted from what the book was telling me to become more of how to become more innovative and instead to apply what the book was telling me on how to become more creative with my coaching. I think both both ways of looking at both ways of applying the information here are equally valid and stand to bring you tremendous gains and tremendous benefits. Well, that's all that we have time for today. Uh, I hope that you'll read the book and put into practice at least a few of the excellent ideas it contains. In summary, the authors are encouraging you to act different, think different, and make a difference. Well, if you're listening to our podcast, then thank you for visiting our website, thecoachingperspective.com. Be sure to check out our archives for other shows with some great guests. And speaking of guests, we're always scheduling guests. So if you'd like to be on the show, you can just drop me an email, Doug at the Coaching Perspective. Or if you're on our website, there's a place to sign up for our newsletter or to indicate that you would like to talk to me about being a guest on the show. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. Our goal, as always, is to have discussions that provide you with new ideas and information that you can put to use immediately to identify and achieve your goals. I'll be back with you again next week at our new time of 3 p.m. Have a great evening. You've been listening to the one show that takes a look at business from a different perspective, the coaching perspective, with Master Certified Business Coach Doug DeFeller. 